Our sermon today, if you please rise, of honor of God's Word, is taken from Luke 7, verses 24 through 30. And I read in Jesus' name. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go to see? Go out to see. A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Here ends our... Oh, no, I keep going, don't I? Yep. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. Come on. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. Here ends our scripture reading. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study your word and to strive to apply these truths into our lives, Lord, we pray that you would bless us. Lord, and that you would be at work convicting us. Lord, and opening our eyes to see what you have called us to. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, we talked about who Jesus is. And we talked about how... What does it mean to find Jesus, to be looking for him? Because we've been promised that if we, if we seek him, we will find him. He will be found by us. And, you know, Jesus himself seeks that, seek, it tells us that. Seek and you, will be, and you will find. And so here we continue this, but now the focus, well, the focus of our message today is what, what is God calling us to in the midst of all of this? What does this look like for us as Christians? So, we start out with, who is John? Now, it's interesting. What did you go into the wilderness to see? John was an outsider. So, it's a common trope in stories that the outsider comes in and cleanses all of the insiders. The, you know, if you read through the book of Judges, you see this happen a number of times. You know, it's the Ephraimite who is not where he should be, that actually brings um, judgment upon the people. And, and this outsider, John, he started, out, he started out as an insider, an insider of insiders, because his dad was a priest and his mom was of the priestly line. And so his dad, there's some people who speculate that his dad might have been the high priest. I, I can't say that for certain, but there's speculation about that because his father was offering incense. And some people think that there's a, a long train of thought that goes into it, but they think that he was the high priest. And so I'm just going to leave it at that and not go through all of the other stuff because it's not directly pertinent. So some people think that Zechariah could have been the high priest. So that's an, that's an insider, right? You know that, you have a place of authority. You have a position there. His family would have been well known. He, you know, he would have been a, relatively popular kid he was born six weeks before six months before jesus 
And so John would have also been in the group of people that were killed by Herod when he sent the soldiers out. Because John lived in that area, that area of Bethlehem. John lived around there. And so Zechariah was probably killed during that time because church history reports that he refused. John's dad refused to tell the soldiers where he was. And so they killed him because everybody knew about the birth of John. They knew about this special guy that was prophesied that thing, weird things were happening around. This was one of the people that they were seeking to kill. So Zechariah was killed, according to church history. And so what happened to John? Well, he was brought out into the wilderness. And there it's, you know, I, I was, there's all sorts of crazy stuff around John. All sorts of crazy stuff. Stories about the angels ministering to him like they did with Elijah. You know, bringing him food and being out with him in the, in the wilderness. And I, I tried to find cross-references. I couldn't find many, and so we're not going to go into all of that. But John was one that was sent outside, but then he was brought back in. He, wasn't, he didn't look like everybody else. He didn't look like the Jews. He was dressed in camel's hair, and he ate locusts and wild honey. You know, he wasn't a normal guy, and he comes in, and he starts proclaiming the gospel. But he actually doesn't go to the people. He calls the people out. Come out of the place where you're at. And that's important. Because had John gone into Jerusalem, he would have had a place there. He didn't go into Jerusalem. Because he was calling them out of the religious mentality. He was calling them out of the ritualism. He was calling them out of the formality. We were reading Pilgrim's Progress to the kids and they talked about formalist. He was calling them out of that. John was an outsider calling people to him. Come out. Don't let this just be what you do. We talked about that in our Sunday school class today too. Repent. Repent. Don't just say, well, we've got Abraham as our father. We're Jews. Don't just say, well, we're, we're churchgoers. You guys ever been talking to someone? Well, I go to church. What does that mean? So do the Jews. So do the Pharisees. So do the lawyers. So the second one, who is John? Is John Reedy. He wasn't ready. He was Reedy. What is a reed? Who'd you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Did you go out there to see someone that's, that just goes where everybody tells them to? You know, we see this nowadays. You guys... Have you been paying attention to what's been going on in the news for the last year and a half? <laughs> I'm guessing that you have. Watching, watching things move from the left to the right depending on which way the wind is going. Right? Watching them talk about this thing and then talk about that thing and I'm not going to mention any of those things so that this can stay up on YouTube. Because YouTube is more than happy to go from this thing to that thing depending on upon which thing is the popular thing. And you know what that does? That makes it so we don't trust any of these people with any of the things that they are talking about. John wasn't that. John was a man of truth. He didn't move. He didn't change his opinion. He proclaimed the gospel. It didn't matter if he was talking to someone great, whether that be King Herod, or if he was talking to the tax collectors, or if he was talking to a prostitute, or he was talking to a sinner, or he was talking to a drunkard. It didn't matter. John said the same thing. John called him out. 
He said, you need Jesus. Well, he, yeah, he did say that ultimately. You need the one who's coming after me. The one of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. You need this man. It's not me. You need to repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's time to come to the Lord. And John did that and he said that. It didn't matter who he was speaking to. They were great religious leaders. If they were great political leaders, or they were just peons. John would say the same thing. He'd proclaim the truth. He wasn't a man swayed by public opinion. And you know, that's important because that's what we're called to be, right? As Christians, are we called to sway left and right to public opinion? No. Does that mean that you know, my views on vaccines or my views on political parties are actually part of my Christianity. Ah, I struggle with that to some degree. And we can have a talk. If you, if you want to rebuke me on that, that's fine. But, like, no, what do we stand on? It's about Jesus. We trust God. We trust God. We call people to trust God. We call people to rely on God. We call people to hope in God. Not hope in government. Not hope... Not, not hoping the Constitution, to hope in God. I hope that our Constitution holds, but who would I hope that? Who would I hope in for that? God. We don't trust in our military. We trust in God. We don't sway on that. We're called to be like John. And John's not selfish. He doesn't use this stuff for his own gain. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and who live in luxury are in king's courts. John was a prophet. You know that, well, not during this day and age, but more so in the Old Testament days, that there were prophets who lived in the king's courts? There were prophets who got their food from the king? Jezebel fed prophets, not prophets of the Lord. She fed prophets of Baal. They ate at her table. And so when everybody else was starving to death, when they couldn't find enough grass for the, the king's mules, donkeys, these prophets were well fed. They used their position for their own gain. We see that nowadays too. You guys ever see anybody who's got very charismatic speaking skills using their charismatic giftings for their own gain so that they can get, you know, they just need one more private jet because... Reasons? Because the old one was too old? Actually, heard someone talk about that. You know, really? This isn't John. What's John doing? John, he's living as an outsider. He's living as one who is, who is poor and who is destitute. He's living off of the land. Why? So that the kingdom of God might come. He didn't, he didn't use this for his own benefit. He used this for the kingdom of God. This wasn't for his sake. This was for the sake of the kingdom of God. This wasn't for his comfort. This was for the salvation of souls. That's who John was. That's the sort of man that John was. John was someone who called others out. Come out of that place. John was someone who wasn't swayed by opinion. And John was someone who didn't use his giftings for his own sake. He used them for the kingdom of God. Period. John is an impressive man. John is a prophet. He was a prophet. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. John was a prophet. John was a man sent by God to proclaim a message into the lives of the people of Israel. You know what? John was quite a prophet. 
John, John was the first prophet for the kingdom of Israel in 400 years. That's a long time. They hadn't heard a word directly from God in over 400 years. They had the Old Testament. But you know what? They struggled and they doubted. And then they had other stuff that they were adding to it. And so there was getting to be this, you know, you have something pure and you add more stuff to it. What happens? It becomes diluted. And ultimately, if something becomes diluted enough, you don't know what it really is anymore. Rachel had some, um, I think it was fruit punch in a, in a bottle last night. And then we put water in it. After we put water in that bottle, after you drank all the fruit punch, was it still fruit punch? No, it was just pink water. And pink water is very disappointing in comparison to fruit punch. The fruit punch became diluted and no longer was fruit punch. So also, Judaism became diluted. They lost the word of the Lord. So stop being Judaism. Started being something else. Something else that claimed to be Judaism. And John was a prophet calling the people back into that. And you know what? That's what Jesus does to us. That's what I'm called to be doing as a pastor. That's what we're called to be seeking as Christians. We're called to be seeking Jesus because these other things, they're good. All the stuff that the Jews were putting in there, they weren't bad. You know, I've read some of the Midrash and the, um, the Talmud. You know, those are interesting things, but they're not the gospel. They're other things. And so then it became diluted and it ceased to be. It became pink water instead of fruit punch. But not only was John a prophet calling the other people out, he was a forerunner preparing the way. He was the one prophesied. He was the one sent into the world by the angels to go and to proclaim the truth that the Messiah is coming. You know, that's a place of honor. It's a position. John the Baptist, John the forerunner, had a position given to him by God, a very important position. He prepared the way for the Messiah. You know what's interesting? We're forerunners. We're forerunners. You know that you're called to prepare the way for the Messiah and the lives of the people around you? This is what I'm called to do. I'm called to live it out so that Christianity actually looks attractive. I'm called to live out my faith. Because you know what? Well, I, I think back to some friends of mine that were missionaries in Afghanistan a few years ago. And one of the Afghani people came up to them and say, they said, what is it with your Christianity that when people take Jesus seriously, they, they travel across half the world and come and help us with our eyesight? But then when people start taking Islam seriously, they go to Pakistan to become suicide bombers. What's different? We're told that they're the same, but there's something different. I think about that. There's something different. What happens when people take capitalism seriously? Do they become better people? Not necessarily. They probably become richer people. What happens when people take socialism seriously? Do they become more godly? No. What happens when people take politics seriously? Does it drive them into godliness? It should drive them to prayer. 
You know, we have to take, be careful what we take seriously. What is our God? Jesus is calling us to live these things out, to be forerunners for him because Jesus has come. And John is the greatest of those born of women. You know, that's quite a statement. In an earthly sense, at no level does any prophet rise above John. You know, some people argue, well, maybe Moses did. And like, no, no, no. You don't, no. This is what Jesus is saying. He spent more time with God and with the angels, and he proclaimed the message, and he proclaimed it strongly. He was martyred for his faith at every level. He had a place of honor. He had a position that nobody else had. The one right before Jesus, right before the Messiah. This was a big deal. And you know what we're told? John was the greatest, but... I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Are you in the kingdom of God? Are you a Christian? Think about this. Think about what Jesus is saying here for just a moment. If you're a Christian, you have a place of honor greater than John had as a human. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you actually have greater access to God than John did as a prophet. Think about that. God spoke to John, and John was supposed to bring that to the people. We can come speak to God at any point, at any time. You know, John was filled with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit indwells us. You know, that's really interesting. And I don't exactly know what to do with that. But we as Christians, we who, are, who trust in Jesus after the resurrection, now that the resurrection has happened, now that Pentecost has happened, the Holy Spirit lives in us. We have the Word of God. We have the New Testament. We have the witness of the Holy Spirit. We have the witness of the community. We have, we have Jesus. He who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. You know what that means? That means the thing that's keeping me away from God is not God. It's me. You know, what does James tell us? In the book of James, we're told, draw near to God and he will see about it. Yeah, draw near to you. God's not going to see about it. We're promised that. So what are we called to do? Draw near to God. Now, I'll be called a legalist. I've been called a legalist for stuff like this. But this isn't self-righteousness. Because I can't draw near to God according to my own laws and according to my own rules and according to my own regulations. Because that's not drawing near to God. That's drawing near to my own rules, my own laws, my own regulations. You know, it's fascinating in our Isaiah text for our reading. I'm actually going to cite this. Because what did, what did the prophet Isaiah say? Behold, all you who kindle a fire who equip yourselves with burning torches. Walk by the light of the fire, your fire, by the torches that you have kindled. They didn't get this light from God. They made it themselves. Think about that. They made it themselves. So also the legalists. So also the Pharisees. So also the lawyers. They made this light themselves. Isaiah's saying, walk by it. I can't believe that that's our text for today. Isaiah is saying, you want to do that? Fine. Do it. 
The problem is they kind of want what they have and then they kind of want a little bit of what God has and they want to kind of mix the two so that they don't really have to submit to God, but maybe they can get God to submit to them. Maybe we figure this out. Maybe I figure out how to pray right. Then I can get God to do what I want instead of actually submitting to him as Lord. Maybe if I, if I do these actions properly, I can get God to submit to me. Well, then who ends up being God? Me. The one who makes himself God is a fool or is a worshiper. We're not gods. We're creatures. We're called to submit. That's the problem that the scribes and the Pharisees had, the lawyers had. They wouldn't submit to God because they rejected the call of John. What was the call of John the Baptist, John the forerunner? What did he call them to do? Repent. Repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. Exactly. And they said, why do I need to repent? I'm good enough. I'll try harder. I don't need to really repent. I just need to double down. I need to buckle down and get this right. I don't need to turn back to God. I can figure this out. I don't need to turn back to God. I'm a child of Abraham. I am good enough. They rejected God's. Yeah, they rejected the purpose of God for themselves. Think about that. Is that where we stand? Brothers and sisters, is that where we stand? What do we do when someone convicts us of sin? Do we get mad at them? What right do you have to say that sort of stuff to me? Or do we say thank you? I hadn't seen that sin in me. I'm going to bring it to God and deal with it. Because do we, do I have any sins living in me? I'll let you answer this. Do I have any sins living in me that are legitimate? Do I have any legitimate sins living in me that I can rightfully excuse before God? Well, God, I know you said that, but you didn't really mean it. Because this is me. Do you guys think that I could say that? I don't have that right. I'm sorry to say you don't either. Because we're not Lord. We don't make the laws. There's a line in Lord of the Rings where one of the elves says, I'm not Lord of the law, so I don't have the right to set it aside. I'm not Lord of the law. I don't have the right to set it aside. No matter what I feel, no matter what I think, no matter what excuse, no matter how much I want to do it or don't want to do it. I don't have the right to set it aside. I'm called to submit to Christ, to repent. Because what happened to the repentance? They glorified God. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too. Think about that. When all of the, the people heard this, they said, praise God. This is the calling he's given to us and the tax collectors, those who were despised. They declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John, having been repentant. They said, this is true. It's repentance. It's turning back to Jesus. That's what changes us. That's what we're called to do. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times. No, I can't. I can't even, I can't even begin to explain it. How many times I'll have a thought or emotion or a desire come to me and be like, no, God, I got I to gotta bring this to you. This is sin. Or that I will have been indulging in it and be like, oh, God, forgive me. What am I doing doubting? What am I doing being impatient? I talked about that last week. 
Believe it or not, I experienced impatience a couple times this week too, and I had to repent to them again. Does this mean that we're going to be perfect and we're never going to have to repent? No, this means that what we do with our sin isn't suppress it. We take it captive to Christ. It isn't deny it. Well, that's not really a sin. I just did it for a little while. That's not that big of a deal. No. Lord, that was sin. Forgive me. Lord, I bring that to you. That fear. Living in fear of something other than you. I bring that to you. That frustration that I was feeling, that's arrogance. Forgive me. Bring that to you. Teach me to be humble. Teach me to be patient. Teach me to be trusting. Because you know what? The thing that's keeping me from God, it isn't my calling. I'm called to be greater than John the Baptist. It isn't my potential. Jesus says here, I am greater than John the Baptist. It isn't God, because God has promised us if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So what is it? It's my sinful pride. It's me. So what do we do? Confess our sins. King David says, Psalm, it's 32. I hope it's 32. Otherwise, I'm going to be on a wild goose chase. Blessed is the one who's, I'm going to read part of this. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, when I didn't confess my sins, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Have you guys ever experienced that? I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniqu- my and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. David experienced it. The hand of God was on him, convicting him of his sin. What did he do? Confessed to the Lord. And what did the Lord do? He forgave him. So what do we do when God reveals our sin? Confess. We repent. We draw near to God. How many of you would like a closer relationship with God? I know I would. I want to have a greater relationship with God. So what am I called to do? To walk in his ways. And when I find that I have it, to repent. Father, forgive me. I have sinned. And he promises. You are forgiven. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for John and the greatness of him. Lord, and the fact that that you call us into an even greater relationship than John had with you. Lord, we thank you. Guide us in that. Bless us in that. Lord, that our love for you might grow and that our life, love for your people might grow. Lord, that we might reflect you better. Lord, that your kingdom might come into our lives and into the lives of those who are around us. Father, this we want. Convict us of our sin, Lord, that, it might, that we might get rid of it, that we might bring it to you. 
in confession and repentance and receive your forgiveness. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.